Welcome, this is the Sales IQ Podcast. My name is Luigi Prestonenzi, and I'm on a mission to help salespeople be the best sales professionals they can be. Each week, we'll bring you a different message from thought leaders from around the globe, so we can help you master the art of selling. Today, we're joined by one of the world's leading sales experts who has recently been recognized as being one of the top 50 sales and marketing leaders globally and famous for authoring the book High Profit Prospecting. Mark is a keynote speaker globally and also works with companies in building Salesforce capability. Please welcome Mark Hunter to the show. Hey, thank you for having me on. I love it. Looking forward to it. Yeah, thanks, Mark. We're really excited to have you on our show, not just because I'm a big fan of you and your book, um, but I'm also a big believer that prospecting is the key to success. So can't wait to dive deep into prospecting. So to help get this segment set up, there's a lot of debate at the moment and contradicting messaging about prospecting and social versus phone calls. We'd love to use this session to dive deep into prospecting methods and how to prospect to enable sales success. However, before we get into things, we'd love to learn a little bit more about you, Mark, and how you started in the world of sales. Well, yeah, you know, what's funny is with the last name of Hunter, you got to use it. So <laughs> I am called the say, the sales hunter. And that is my that is my my family's name. So it isn't like I changed it. You know, it's funny. I didn't I didn't really want to be in sales. I did not choose to be in sales. I, I kind of backdoored my way into sales and found out I loved it. And here's the reason I love it, because it's about helping people. Think about it. There are very few professions that you get to help people. And then how I really came into prospecting. Wow, that's that's even more radical. Because think about this. Uh, You believe in something. You truly believe that you can help people. Well, don't you want to tell people? See, that's to me what prospecting is all about. I'm so excited about the outcomes. It's not what I sell. It's the outcomes I can help you with. I'm so excited about the outcomes that I can help people with that I want to get on the phone and I'm I'm going to interrupt their day because they're not expecting. Nobody woke up this morning and said, oh, man, I hope the sales hunter (laughs) calls me today. It just doesn't happen. But what I do is I'm going to go ahead and interrupt their day because I I know that I can help them. Are people going to turn me off? Sure, people are going to turn me off. But you know what? It's okay. I, I just go on to the next person. And I can just go on to the next person. And, and, and there are people who I'm going to come in contact with that I will impact. I just a couple yeah. hours ago, I was on the phone with a gentleman whose business was falling apart a year ago. Today, he called me. He said, Mark, I, I've had the best six months I've ever had. Why? Because he's out making it happen. Boom. <laughs> so share with us what inspired you to write the book, High Profit Prospecting. Well, yeah. What, what really... The reason I wrote the book is because it really came about because I saw people having to discount their price to close deals. My first book was High Profit Selling, How to, how to Close Deals at Full Price. Yeah. And what it really came down to was that people were trying to close deals with prospects that they should never have had. So I said, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, hold it, hold it, hold it. Let's go all the way upstream. Let's go all the way upstream. And let's ask ourselves, are we starting off with the right prospects? You see, if you start off with the right prospects, it's amazing how you can close them at full price. And oh, by the way, you know what? You can close them faster. Wow. Bingo, bingo. Happy customers. Salespeople. Full priced 
prospects that want to buy is, I think, the ambition of every salesperson. So I've actually taken some notes, which I'll ask you about a little later. But before we go into that, please tell us what your definition of prospecting is. Yes, my definition of prospecting is educating, informing, and bringing the customer to an enlightened sense that they see value in what you have. Now, let me let me cut all that. Let me cut all that aside. <laughs> what it really comes down to, it's helping others see and achieve what they didn't think was possible. That's really what prospecting and sales and oh by the way leadership is all about. It's helping others see and achieve what they did not think was possible. Wow, that is so powerful when you actually think about that. Um, Mark, you've already mentioned a number of times words such as help, value, create. Look, I coach a lot and train a lot of salespeople and sales professionals. And often um, we ask the question when we commence training or, or any sort of coaching, when you think of a salesperson, what are some of the words that come up? And a lot of people come up with negative words. Um, how can we change that perception? Oh, you know what? This is this is a mission. I, I'm, I'm glad you brought this up because this is a mission I'm on. I mean, I, I before I got into sales and, and even early in my sales career, that that was a definition that I subscribe to. Salespeople are slimy and yeah. Yeah, yeah. I I have done a complete 180. I am so sales. But here's what it is. Salespeople today have to be authentic and transparent because the internet, and it's going to stick around, you know, the internet's going to be kind of a big <laughs> thing here. Uh, you know, you can't hide, you can't hide. So you have to be authentic and transparent. And, and what does that mean? That means you have to do everything with a level of integrity to create trust and confidence. That's really what you have to, because if you don't, if you don't, you have no value proposition other than low price. And low price is not a sustainable competitive advantage. Oh man, you're so right. Uh, absolutely love your response and thank you for sharing that. Mark, in your book, you talk about the evolution of prospecting was not caused by email and technology. Please expand on this. Yeah. Well, you know, this is what's so funny because people always love to say, well, the telephone is dead. The telephone, <laughs> nobody answers the telephone and all this sort of stuff. And and you know what? I mean, you you, you can sit there and, and argue, is it harder to get people to pick up the telephone? Yeah, it is. But I mean, before we hit record, you, you shared with me about a, a very key individual that you called and he answered his mobile phone. Wow. Yeah. Boom. People <laughs> do. People, you know what's funny? When you call the right person at the right time and you have the right message, people will pick up, people will respond. Now, what's very interesting is, is we've gone through an evolution. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it because we've got email, we've got social media, we've got so many different communication platforms. And everybody wants to respond. Everybody wants to be communicated to in their favorite platform. Now, what does yeah. this mean? For some people, in fact, this is interesting. I, I was having a great discussion with a gentleman from Australia just earlier in the week, and he was telling me that the value of, of mail, surface yeah. mail. And that's terrific. That's terrific. I love it. Now, for me and my market, where I am in the United States, it doesn't work. You see, so, and again, it, it's, it's, th there is no one size. Last time I went to a shoe store, 
it was amazing the different sizes of shoes they had. Why? Because everybody's foot is different, you see. And that's really what prospecting has has evolved to. We have to do different things. We have to use different approaches to reach people. Yeah, that's amazing. And um, if we can just go back a step, because you mentioned a few times the right person, the right message. Um, How important is it to define your customer persona or your target profile customer when prospecting? Well, that that is incredibly because this is the difference between true cold calling. Hey, let me just give you a telephone directory and have you call phone numbers. You know, you know. You know, I don't care what you say right now. We have to be targeted. So this means I'm going to do research on a particular. I was just with a gentleman this week and he sells into a number of different industries, but he did research on this is a very critical industry. Here are some critical companies in that industry. In other words, he did research to to begin narrowing it down. He then began to do some research as to who in this company, again, the Internet, all there. And within two phone calls to one company, he was able to get an in-person meeting because he had done a little bit of background, a little bit of research. And he said, you know, the cost of me traveling to go to this meeting and have this meeting, there's certainly cost, but the value, the outcome I know that I can help them with and the revenue that I know they can provide to me and my company certainly warrants for me to go have that meeting because he had done a little bit of research. So I think we're way past. Let's just let's just pick up the phone or let's just start punching in digits. No, we're 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 way past that. Yeah. But I believe by just doing a little bit of research. So what we can do then is now we begin to feel okay, here's the right market. Now, what's the right timing? Well, what's the critical event happening in their industry? What's the critical event and and because suddenly this is going to trigger uh, them trigger in a prospect's mind the need that they may have to change behavior. They may have to do something different. So boom, I can sit there and call. What's the seasonality of when they buy, how they buy? I mean, all these various elements come into play and allow you to say, you know what? I need to make these calls this particular week. Or I need to make these calls this particular week. Now, there's one other piece that I can't let slide. You know, some of the best sales advice is found in our shower, in (laughs) our showers. Now, I'm not talking about me being in. No, no. (laughs) Look look in your shower and you're going to see a bottle of shampoo. And there's two very critical words on that bottle of shampoo. And you can take these one, these two words to the bank. Rinse and repeat. Yeah. Rinse and repeat. What does this mean? You may have to reach out to that that prospect four, five, six, eight, ten times. Yeah. But but here's the whole thing. That first word was rinse. Now, the whole idea of rinse is you, you, you don't wash off the old shampoo and put that old shampoo back in your hair. No, you get new shampoo. You get a new message. You get a new message. What you want to be continually doing is coming back to that prospect, providing them with new insight, new information, new questions. And ultimately what happens is they do say, hmm, I need to talk with this lad. I need to talk with this gal. I need I need to speak because they have information I need to know. 
Yeah, awesome. Uh, there's so much value there. And um, let's confirm some of the key points. As, as I said, there's so much value in what you just said. So some of the points, we're targeted. Yes. We research. Yes. We develop the right message. Yes. And ensure we're looking for a trigger event to engage and then we repeat in the event they don't engage in the first outreach exactly, attempt. Exactly, exactly. Hey, with that, let's go make some calls, shall we? Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, you know. See, this is this is this is what's fun. When when you do your homework like that. Now, this doesn't mean every call is going to be successful. No, not in the least bit. Not in the least bit. But over the course of a day, over the course of a week, over the course of a month, you will you will have enough contacts that will be successful, and you will fill your diary with meetings. You will you will be able to make it happen, because here's what it comes down to: you have an you know you can help the customer see and achieve something that they didn't think was possible. Oh, that's just gold, absolute gold. And thank you so much for sharing the, you know, with us, Mark. Um, that takes me down to my next question. You talk about the six prospecting myths. Um, share with us what these are and what sales professionals can do to avoid becoming victim to one of these myths. Yeah, well, let's let's just jump in. Let's just jump into a couple of them. One of them I love is well. Well, we've never had to prospect because we deliver such great service. We <laughs> have such great customers that they that they just come to us. Yeah, well, let me tell you something. You will starve to death. I, I don't <laughs> care how good a product is, how good a service is. You've got to be continuously reaching out to find new customers. So, I mean that that is one myth. Hey, here's another myth that uh, I I just. Well, I've got to spend all my time. I, I, I don't have time to, pro- I, I, I just, I just don't have time to prospect because I got to take care of this. I got to take care of this. I got to take care of all this stuff with my existing customers and all my existing customers. If I take care of my existing customers, all, I'm blah, blah, and, and, and then one day wake up, boom, your existing customer just went bankrupt or just merged or some, or somebody left, something like that. I mean, there, there are, yeah, yes, in the book I write six, but there are so many myths. The the here's one that's not in not in not in the book. It may be in volume two, but this is one that really cranks me. Really, they spend people. This is the myth. I, I just have to plan. I just have to prepare enough. I just have to plan. I just have to prepare. And what they do is they spend all of their time planning and preparing to prospect, but they never actually make the call. Why? Because you know what? They're scared to make the call. <laughs> okay. Mark, where does this fee come from, Mark? Well, well, it's it's well, it's 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 because it's because salespeople are stupid. Salespeople are slimy. <laughs> salespeople are, yeah. it, it it it's all the, the biggest roadblock. Oh man, I'm 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 going on a rant here. I wish we were on video, but it's okay. <laughs> the biggest roadblock we face is in our own mind. Because we fail to realize success is just around the next corner. Yeah. And what happens is we allow all these all these dark demons to ooh, and, and we oh I can't call that person. I'm going to disturb them. I, if if your house was on fire and your neighbor knew your house was on fire, and they said, Well, I don't want to call them because I might disturb them. No, you call mm. them. That's the way we have to look at yep. prospects. There is a sense of urgency yeah. for us to get in touch with them. 
Yeah. And it's interesting you talk about that because um, one of my mentors who really shaped my mindset around sales always used to tell me that the biggest objection you can't overcome is the one you haven't overcome yourself. Yes. So you either have to deal with it and if you can't deal with it, don't try and overcome it. And if price is your objection, then you'll never be able to get your customer to see value in your product. If you really think you are disturbing someone, then well, you're never going to be able to get them to give you time to actually talk about their needs. Yeah, hey, let, let me let me run with that for a second because here, here's a couple things that drive me nuts. What, what drives me nuts is when you try to think you understand the value of what <laughs> you provide. No, let the customer, let the customer determine. I, I, I run into so many customers. Well, I run into so many salespeople. Well, I, I can't believe the prices we charge. I can't believe the prices we charge. We should lower our prices. We should lower our prices. We, hey, that's not for you to determine. Let the customer determine the value. The customer will tell you what the value is. You know, when, 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 you, when you explore enough with the customer, they will help you understand what the value is. And he, here, you should say, I mean, and, and, and I share this with salespeople. There, there's two techniques to help you overcome this, this <laughs> panic. One, take a piece of paper and you write down all of the outcomes that you have helped customers achieve. You just, you just, and, and you constantly are updating this list. You have all these out. Now, these aren't the benefits of what you sell. These aren't the features of what, these are the outcomes. This is how you helped them. What, how did they benefit from it? You write those down and you keep that piece of paper right there by the telephone. You keep that right there by your computer. You keep that. You keep a list of all of those outcomes and you keep updating that. And what I find is, you kind of look at that and go, Hey, that's cool. That's cool. And then here's the other piece. Here's the other piece. You always end the day on a high note. You end the day on a high note by saying, what was the biggest success? Now you may have had a terrible day, but maybe there was one phone call that somebody, somebody acknowledged your name. You go, "Mm, I'm beautiful. I'm beautiful. I'm beautiful. And the no, end the day on a high point. Yeah. And you do the same thing each week. And then what you do is you set yourself up for a small goal that you know you can achieve very early in the morning. Now, here's why. Success creates success. Momentum yeah. creates momentum. So if I set a, a very easy goal and I can achieve it 30 minutes into my job, boom, guess what? It, it just keeps the ball rolling. It keeps the ball rolling. Yeah. Sales is not hard. Sales is not hard. Once we overcome that mental <laughs> <laughs> mindset problem we have yeah and, and and this is one of the questions i had a bit later but i'll bring it now um now that we're in the topic i want to talk about this salespeople. are they born or made <laughs> i think they're made i don't think they're born at all you know what everybody every it, what two really great assets well there's i mean there's there's several assets assets, but let, let, let me just play on two really great assets. One is your time and two is your personality. We're, we're all born with a personality. Use yep. your personality. Let it come through. Unless you're that crazy uncle or that weird aunt. Okay. <laughs> that's an, that's an, that, that's an, <laughs> uh, but, but I mean, I mean, you know, it, it's, it's allow your personality to come through. I, I don't think, I don't think salespeople, I, you know, you know, it's funny. I was not, I was not a born salesperson. I didn't want to go into sales. But I have come to love it. I mean, I thoroughly love picking up the phone and calling people. Yeah. And I love having interactions. I give me somebody skeptical. Have somebody throw an obstacle at me. And you know what? I've got no problem as a salesperson. I got no problem if people object to me. I've got no problem. 
Yeah. It's let, let's ha- let's just have a dialogue. Let's just have a discussion. And and am I going to get everybody in the world to become a customer of mine? No. No. Nobody in the world has a hundred percent of everything. Nobody mm. does. Yeah. That's okay. You know. Even the best restaurant in Melbourne has people that do not like yeah. it. But you know what? It's still a great restaurant. <laughs> well, you're spot on, spot on, aren't you? Just on that, we, we talk about, um, you know, born versus made. Is sales a science or an art? Wow, man. I, I you know, this is what's funny. A lot of people are saying, oh, Sales is becoming a science. Yeah. Sales is be- look at all look at all the all the tools and all the apps and artificial intelligence and all this sort of stuff. And I don't think it is. I think it's an art. Yeah, oh, because yeah. you know what it is. Yeah. It's pe- what are we having? We're having a conversation. Sales is an art because it's people to people. People say, well, well, gee, what if you buy online? What if you buy? I, I, I had a person who, who is arguing right now with me on online in an email. In fact, it's, I was typing it before I jumped on for this call with you. And uh, he said, I don't even buy cars by talking to anybody. I do it all, all online. And I go, well, and my response is going to be, well, that's, you know, because his whole argument is it's all science. Yeah. And, and, I, and I, well, yeah, but you know what? There's still emotion, still emotion. Mm. Would you, and I'm going to put in the note, would you buy a car without looking at a picture of it? No, no. Every transaction we make is an emotional transaction. We may have science backing us up, but in the end, it's an art because it's emotion because it's people making people decisions. Yeah, I love that. And uh, I'm a firm believer that uh, it is an art and we are mastering a craft. And that's my mission because when I started in sales, I was told, well, there's a list. (laughs) Well, not even a list. Um, Pretty much phone book, no training. So I learned how to sell by making a shitload of mistakes. And I got laughed at. And uh, once I went to meet a customer to sell a product, then the guy asked me a question about the product that uh, I couldn't answer. He asked me to get out. So it's definitely, for me, it's an art. Yeah, And yes. I want to take this all the way back to the prospecting stage of the sales process. How important is rapport in the prospecting stage? Right. Because, you, you right. know, you talk about trust. And how important is it from getting that initial connection? Oh, it, it's, it, it's, absolutely, it's absolutely imperative because without rapport and trust, all you have is a suspect. You don't have a prospect. <laughs> you, you, don't, you, don't, you, you just have a suspect. You know, I mean, I, there's a lot of um, uh, people out there who I could look at and say are prospects. Well, just because they have a heartbeat doesn't make them a prospect. I mean, my dog has got a heartbeat. But <laughs> last time I looked, my dog, my dog hasn't bought a thing for me. So, I mean, it's just, you know, I mean, it, it's, you, you've got to create rapport. This is, this is where I say it's, it's personality. It's, it's letting your ability to dialogue. My, my whole thing, co- coming back to my analogy of an art, is my objective is to give you, the prospect, a canvas and a palette of colors. Yeah. And I want to see what you paint. My, my whole goal is to see what you paint because what you paint is going to help me determine how I can yeah. help you. 
Oh, that's insane. I, I actually, uh, that's really thought-provoking. I, uh, I got completely lost listening to your response. So uh, thanks for sharing that with us. Well, now, now, well, you know, now, now, perfect. See, now think about that for a moment, because what was I doing? I was taking you down a path that you weren't expecting. Now, think about this as a salesperson. When I can sit in front of you, a, a prospect, a customer, and I can ask you questions that challenge your thinking, or better yet, if I can ask you questions that you don't have the answer to and I don't have the answer to, wow, that facilitates an unbelievably deep and rich conversation. But here's the whole thing. That, that can only happen after rapport and trust have been established. You yeah. see, so I've got to create that in order to move you from suspect to prospect. And then I can go, wow, now I really, really am going to be able to mm -hmm. find out what you're critical. Because here's the whole thing. You may think you know what your needs are. But if I ask you questions and get you thinking, you may you may realize. I mean, I I just had a remodeling project done on my home, and it was interesting. We were thinking we we're going to do the exact same. We we're going to replace the same thing that we you know. It is, in other words, just rebuild what is broken. It was an outdoor deck patio. Yeah. And the the guy came in and he said, "Have you thought about this?" Uh, and we said, you know what? We'd never thought about that. Yeah. And the project just got done yesterday. And I go, wow. Yeah. That is so much better. And if he had not, he, he asked a few questions yeah. and came up with a different plan. Yeah. Okay. So, so he earned the right to ask those questions. Right. Right. To trigger you to have an unrecognized needle thought and then created value through that conversation. And now your trust with him is high. Much, much higher. And oh, guess what? The 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 amount I owe him when he comes back to get paid here tomorrow is more than what I had originally expected. But you know what? I am so delighted. My wife is so delighted. It's it's I, I don't mind paying him more money. Yeah. Because what he delivered to us was actually a a much better outcome. Much better outcome. And this is what's so funny. As I look at the project he did, he actually was able to use less lumber. Mm. He was actually able to use less lumber, less wood, and there was less problem on his end. So actually, he, he probably he probably saved himself some hard cost, delivered to me more value. I'm going to pay him more because yep. there was some more time involved and so forth. And But yep. you know what? Yeah. I don't mind. I don't mind at all. Yeah, because you're seeing value, which is oh. awesome. Um, yeah. So I actually want to take us to a real life scenario that I hear all the time that uh, salespeople are encountering um, that they say, I've had a massive quarter and I've emptied my pipeline, um, which kind of, I get concerned when I hear that, um, or I am starting a new role without a pipeline full of leads. Company said, there's a phone, product, and off you go. What are the key things we have to do to fill the pipeline and when should you know we expect to see a return on my prospecting efforts well let, let's answer the the second part first yeah. the returns is really going to depend upon the sales cycle in other words if you're selling a consumable you're probably going to see a return within a few weeks or a month if on the other hand what you're selling is 
the capital expenditure, that has to get budgeted, expense, and so forth, it may take six to nine months to a year, whatever. So some of that's going to change. I like to think of this. What I prospect this quarter is what I'm going to close next quarter. That, that's kind of a rough yeah. feeling that, that I like to use. Some people say, well, what I prospect this month is what I'm going to close next month. That's much more closer to a consumable. If I'm coming in and I'm a new in a territory and I've got no business, the first th- I, I'm going to do, I'm going to focus in on three areas, three areas. One, I'm going to target each of my existing customers. I'm going to target each customer that's already buying from the company in that territory or whatever, A, just to see if there's additional business, create additional relationships, learn about the relationships going on, just et cetera, et cetera. B, I'm going to, I'm going to be connecting with, with every customer that used to do business with us. In other words, gee, this was a customer that bought from us a year ago. They bought from us two years ago. I'm going to be picking up the phone and I'm going to be calling them. I'm going to be calling them, getting them back in. Three, I'm going to go through the CRM system or whatever you have, and I'm going to find every customer that rejected. Whoa, they rejected (laughs) the previous salesperson or they rejected (laughs) you in a previous quarter. And I'm going to reach out and I'm going to call that uh, I'm going to go through it in literally that boom, 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 that approach. That's the exact approach I tell to new salespeople coming in, taking over a new territory because it's the best way, fast way you're going to learn the business. I tell this to existing people. You say, well, I got, I got no business in my pipeline. Now here's, here's, you know, truth be known. Most people have stuff in their, most people have stuff in their pipeline. What they have is they bunch have, have a bunch of sewage. Because this stuff's been sitting there. Okay, now, here's what I look at. I'm not going to chew on stuff up at the top of the funnel. I'm not going to chew on stuff up there because, you know, that, that's just stuff that people put in there to keep their boss happy. I mean, so many people stuff things into their sales pipeline just to let their boss feel that they're busy. Yeah. And, and all it does is wind up screwing up things. That, that just, oh, that drives me nuts. So what I'm going to do is, is I'm going to then look at my pipeline and say, what, what, what's at least halfway through? What, what's at least halfway through the process that I can pull out, that I can pull down? Uh, I, I don't, I, I many times tell salespeople, uh, be cautious of the sales pipeline you inherit. Be cautious. Because a lot of times that sales pipeline you inherit from somebody who got fired or moved to a different territory or whatever is just jammed packed with a bunch of crap. Yeah. And you'll go through motions and you won't do anything. Yeah. And, and along the way, you will demotivate yourself. Yeah. Just, just on that, I often hear this from a lot of senior you know, sales professionals. They've been around a long time. Um, they say, I don't prospect. It's beneath me. There's SDRs, inside sales, they prospect. What are your thoughts on that? Um, because it drives me crazy. And uh, when I hear that, I say, what do you mean you don't prospect? I know, I know. That, 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 that is probably one of the biggest problems we have today with veteran salespeople because they feel it's beneath them. I'll argue this. Everybody in an organization, the culture of the organization from the CEO on down, has to be customer facing and new customer facing. It has to be. Because what happens is you can say, oh, I just rely on existing customers. I just wait for this stuff to come to me and so forth. What happens is you wind up becoming absolutely rusty. You become very rusty. And what happens is one day you wake up and your business is gone. I remember back here about 10 years ago, 
I was I was really feeling really good. I had a very prosperous business. I was feeling very good. And I had about five customers that were all very significant corporate logos in the world. I mean, if I said their names, you would know their names, five of them. Yeah. And my business was rocking. And I had to go to China. And I was going to be in China for about 12 days. And I remember getting on that plane heading to China. And I was feeling good. This is great. Because when I come back, this is great. I got these five, five businesses rocking. You know what's interesting? When I came back, each one of those five companies, all totally separate, yeah. had gone through some sort of a major, major change. One, I'll, I'll walk through the five. One of them wound up having a major product recall that virtually just froze everything in the company. Another company was taken over by their number one competitor. Boom. Guess what? They're, they're, they're gone. Three. Third one, the CEO and the president I'd been working, I had been working with, very major company, both got fired. They, they got fired in a, you know, the board of directors said, you two guys are gone. Gone. Boom. Wow. Fourth one. They had a major issue uh, from a product standpoint in terms of a huge, huge, huge rollout, huge investment that literally just collapsed, that just fell apart. And, and I can't remember the fifth one. But, but, but it was funny. I mean, within a week coming back, I go, what happened to my business? Hmm. And you know what? I, I learned that lesson. I don't care how good you think you are, how good your business is. You've got to be continually putting new things in yeah. to that top of the pipeline. Oh, hey, man, I, I completely agree with you and really appreciate you sharing that with me because uh, after this, I have a few people I know, some senior guys um, who I'm going to send to uh, who say they don't prospect so it's in their <laughs> inbox to listen to. Oh, yeah. And, and, and you know what sometimes you have to do as, as a sales leader is you have to put in there a KPI, a metric in terms yeah. of new customers, new leads, new new prospects, however you want to classify them that you're bringing into the organization. And part of your, your commission, part of your bonus, part of your however you want to do it is contingent upon doing that. I mean, sometimes you got to be apps. I mean, what, what I see happening is I see sales managers letting the top performer off the hook. Yeah. Well, I don't want to make them upset because they might quit. <laughs> they might quit. They quit. Well, you know what's funny is is many times people get paranoid. Well, they're going to quit and they're going to take the business. You know what's funny? Very rarely does that happen. Hey, mm. hey people do quit. But surprisingly yeah. enough, I mean, how, how many times ha, has a salesman, this drives me nuts. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm on another tangent. Sales <laughs> managers will hire, we're going to hire this person because they're going to bring this big book of business with them. Yeah. And the book one being a paperback, winds up being an ebook, winds up being a pamphlet because <laughs> there just isn't, no, nobody comes over with them. Yeah. You can't be afraid of that top performer. Yeah. And, and I hear that so many times and some of the clients I work with say, well, no, we need to hire someone from industry that has the experience because they'll bring all their clients. And, you know, I'd say hire the skill and hire the attitude first before worrying about what industry they come from. Well, and it's a bit of a constant debate. Without a doubt. Attitude trumps so many things, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Now, it's actually down the list, but um, now that you brought it up, I'm going to bring it up right now. Attitude and mindset when it comes to prospecting. That's number one. That's number one and number two right there. Yeah, that's it. That that trumps knowledge. That, trump, that, trumps, that, that trumps even a good lead list. That, that trumps everything. 
That yeah. trumps everything. I mean, I, 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 I was working with a company, a uh, rock star perform, rock star salesperson. And, and let me tell you something. This individual was not smart. I mean, he was not smart. I mean, I mean, he even admitted he was dumb as rocks. <laughs> but boy, could he prospect. Yeah. Because he had such an amazing attitude. Such an amazing mindset. He, yeah. he just had an ability yeah. to get in the door and make things happen. Yeah. And, and just on that, if you're a sales leader um, or, or you've got a team of sales across inside, outside, even just a standard team that does all aspect of the sales process, what if you had someone that is really good at prospecting but not so good at closing? I mean, what, what would you do in that uh, situation? Well, yeah, I, I, I can, I can live with that. I can live, yeah. I can live with that. And then I'd say, okay, then I'm going to, I'm going to create some sort of a team situation. Yeah. Um, to, you know, I, and, and, and I, you know, I'm not, I, I'm not a super fan. Now, again, it depends on the industry mm-hmm. in terms of segmenting roles. You know, do we create the BDR, the SDR, the IDR, the, uh, all these different, uh, these different roles. <laughs> um, I, I, I'm not so much a big fan of that. I mean, again, it depends depends on the industry. But if I've got somebody who who prospects good, man, you know what? I'm going to buy them steak for lunch every day, man. I'm going <laughs> to I'm going to feed them be because I'll tell you what, it's a lot harder to find the great prospector yeah. than the great closer. Yeah, awesome. Okay, so we've dived deep um, and talked about the mindset. And what the attitude of a you know of a sales professional should be that we are helping, adding value. We've done our research. Now, what are the don'ts when it comes to prospecting? Run that question by again. Help help me understand it better. Okay, uh, what a great open question. Um, yeah. What shouldn't we do when prospecting? What shouldn't we do? Okay, yes. first of all, uh, don't start what you can't finish. This is one of the big issues. One, okay. one of the big things, and, and and again, it's one of those things. Oh no! We're, in fact, I I wrote about this in the book. Oh no, we're out of business. So let's have a prospecting blitz. <laughs> it's everybody on the phone. Everybody calling everybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then what happens is you wind up calling so many people that you don't have the ability to follow up with them. So yeah. don't. Th- this is. I really think the number one problem people have with prospecting is they fail to follow up. Yeah. They fail to follow up. This is the rinse and repeat. This is the shampoo bottle. Look at your shampoo bottle every morning when you're in your shower. Look at it. It's staring right there. <laughs> I mean, I, I, this is so, I mean, I, I would, I would much rather have 10 prospects that I can follow up on faithfully than a hundred mm-hmm. that I can't, manage. In fact, in, in my own business, I mean, we've got a database of, of thousands of companies that we could potentially do business with. And we reach out to them by way of marketing and different tools and so forth. Yeah. And then we have a smaller list, but my actual prospecting list, Mark Hunter, the sales hunter, in terms of keynote speaker and, and author and, and consultant to companies around the world. I think I, I, think I have like nine companies in wow. there right now. That's it. That's it. That's it. I keep it very skinny because yeah. my whole objective is, okay, I'm going to close a couple of them. I'll drop a couple more in. Yeah. But I keep a very skinny, skinny pipeline hmm. because when I do that, I can close. I, yeah. I, I, I actually 
close faster because I can spend more time with them. Yeah. So you know your close conversion rates, know your you know what you're converting at, so you can manage your pipeline accordingly. Oh, yeah. I mean, okay. I, I know I, 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 cl- I close at probably 65-70%. And, and it, it, it's fine. this is the methodology that, yeah, I've been, I've been doing this now for, man, 20 years this month. And <laughs> well that's the methodology. That's the methodology that works for me. Yeah, that's And fantastic. believe me, it, it works very, very well. Now, we've got other segments of the business. We have online segments. We have mm-hmm. the the books, and we have all those other things. But what I'm talking about for, for my prospecting, for my keynote speaking and so forth, the real sa- you know, the sales kickoff meetings yeah. type of stuff I do, um, which is really, that's that's the, that's, I love it. I love it. I love it. <laughs> I can hear it. It's oozing out of you. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. I know. I know. You know what? I this is so funny, but see, this is funny. I can't talk about sales yeah. without getting passionate, yeah. without getting animated, because I love it that much. Yeah, it's funny you say that because I'm um, not sure if you remember a, a guy from Texas um, called Paul J. Meyer from oh, Successful yeah. Innovation International. Yeah. Uh, he used to talk about that and um, that it's got to yes. be oozing out of you. And a uh, recent story, I was up against a, a, a pitching for a piece of work up against a global competitor, um, you know, a huge business con- compared to, to, to mine. Um, however, the thing, after the, the meeting and the pitch and we, you know, executive director gave, gave us a call and said, hey, we're actually going with you because it's in your blood. We can hear it. We can hear it. We can see it. We can, you there know, you the passion just bingo, coming out of you. Bingo, bingo, bingo. It, sale, yeah. Sale, yeah, 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 I love it. And so that's what you talk about when you, uh, you know, talk about personality. So, so Mark, I, I want to know your biggest, you know, what's been your biggest influence in your career and why? Wow, biggest, biggest influence in my career. Yeah, and and why, boy, that uh, it two people very much influenced me, and, and this isn't my father, this isn't a teacher. These were two bosses I had very much influenced me. In fact, when I, in some of my keynote speeches, I share, um, one was the manager of a McDonald's restaurant I worked at my first job, but he, he was an incredibly passionate individual about people. And another one was a sales manager. I had about, Oh, I was, I don't know, 28, 29, 29 years of age. And he was a sales manager. I had, who just was unbelievably in how he cared about the mm-hmm. outcome we we're going to help customers with. And, 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 and those two people just very much ingrained in me, uh, the McDonald's guy ingrained in me, servant, servant leadership. Yeah. The second person ingrained in me, integrity, integrity and following through. So I think those two, um, there's, Another gentleman who I've had a chance, I mean, I had a chance to spend some time with. He passed away now about four years, five, oh, no, six years ago now, Zig Ziglar. Uh, wonderful. In fact, his wife just passed away about two two months ago, oh, uh, the redhead. Yeah. And uh, he had a tremendous impact on my life. Uh, and you know what? This, this is what's interesting. Stop and think about this. Zig, I mean, I, I knew Zig and we talked occasionally. I don't think he would really remember me. But see, mm. this is what's interesting. Think about this from, from a sales role. 
One of the things we have the ability in sales to do is we impact people in ways that we'll never see. We yeah. impact people we'll never see. And, and that person could five, 10 years from now look back and say, hey, I remember when he called on me. I remember when she called on me. That was cool. She really taught me something. I, I watched how she handled that very difficult situation. She handled that with class. Yeah. She handled that well. That's cool. That that's that's legacy leadership. Yeah. And that's really wow. to me, yeah. really is about. Yeah. And that's, you know, what Mark, that's really powerful stuff. And uh, you know, this is a difference between a sales professional and that slimy person who's just in it for the buck. Oh. You know, this is why I do what yes. I do and why I engage with, with people like you, Mark, and, the, you know, the Jeffrey Gittemores, Deb Calvert, Jim Cathcart, Jeb Blunt, Anthony Nerino. I mean, the list goes mm-hmm. on um, because they are the influencers that are, you know, producing content and putting the message out there about leadership, about passion, helping people, um, and essentially, oh. you know, influencing what sales Jim. should be like. Yeah. Yeah. Jim Cathcart. I mean, I, I've known Jim for probably 15 years. Yeah. Tremendous individual. Yeah. And you know what's interesting? You don't look at him as a salesperson. Nah. <laughs> and it's funny. He you was know, my, uh, the first sales book I read when I was 16. Right. Relationship selling. Right. But, you know, you, you hang out with him and he just, and he just oozes. See, this is the whole thing. You know, uh, this is why I use the term sales leadership, sales, you know, sales leadership. And this is why I, I say, you know, sales is not a job. It's a lifestyle. Yeah. And when you truly buy into the lifestyle, mm. the income, the, the income's great. Yeah. But the impact is greater. Yeah. Think about that. Think about that. Yeah, Mark. I mean, looking at what I love what you're saying, um, and the word impact. It's it's not used enough in what we do um, and our ability to influence and, yeah. and make change and help people. Yeah. And and you know what? It's something that uh, Dev Dev Calvert talks a lot about, which is start leading and, and stop selling. Um, so, Mark, would love to know if you could go back in time and do it all again in sales. What's one thing you would do differently? I would have. Listen to other people earlier in my career. I thought I knew it all, and I did not allow mentors into my life early enough to truly make a difference because I, I thought I had all the answers myself. I knew what was going on. That, that's probably that, that that's the biggest thing I would change. Yeah. Well, yeah. it's interesting you say that because uh, the King of Sales, Jeffrey Gittemore, refers to that in, in one of his books. He says that the smartest people in the world are salespeople as they know everything. Oh, I mean, Je- I, I tell you what, Jeffrey Gittimer, he's a fun guy to hang out with. And yeah. and he's so blunt. <laughs> um, and yet he's so right on. Yeah, he's spot I mean, on. you go, whoa, this is just, yeah, yeah, no. See, see this is, you know, you know, if you really stop and take a step back, you, you, you look at the sales folks at the top of the game, and they're all great people. Mm. They are all genuinely great people. And you know what? They're all authentic and transparent. Yep. What is that, that, that should be a, that should be a leading indicator for anybody else who says, Hey, I want to yeah. be successful in sales. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. And you've got to be authentic. You've got to be real and expect it's going to be hard. 
Um, mate, this has been great, and I'm actually quite sad this is coming to an end. So, oh yes, yeah. So before we leave, yes. could you tell people where they can find you? LinkedIn, books. Um, where can they go? Well, yeah. I mean, I'm all over LinkedIn. Mark Hunter is a pretty common name, though, on LinkedIn. <laughs> so, you know, you may have to go Mark Hunter, the sales hunter. And, and that's and that's the website. The website is thesaleshunter.com. That's, that's really the best place. I got a ton of videos out there. We put new videos out there every week. We got eBooks and blogs and got all kinds of stuff. And of course the book, you know, the main book, High Profit Prospecting. Got yeah. two new books coming out in 19. Shh, can't tell you the title. <sighs> I'd like to, but two books in 19. And but high profit prospecting is it is really, I mean, I, I had a guy share with me today. Um, he said, Mark, that book single that that book was the single biggest thing that turned my business around in the last mm. six months. And, um, I, you know, I told a guy, I said, thank you. Thank you for calling. Thank you for letting me know that. That's just, that's, that's, that's huge. Uh, but yeah, it's the saleshunter.com. Okay. That's the website. Awesome. So, and, um, yep. yeah. All right. Well, and we'll put show notes so they know where they can find you in your books and, and, and also purchase your books. So, yeah. so Mark, I want to show gratitude. Um, I really appreciate you being on our show. I have absolutely loved it. And I have actually a page of notes myself that I need to refer back to and look at my own prospecting strategy and what I need to do differently. Um, and so I really, really appreciate your time. Well, hey, let's definitely keep in touch. Most of all, let's, let's make it all about influence and impact. Great selling. Fantastic. High energy. It's a perfect phrase to sum up Mark Hunter. Not just, you know, high profit prospecting, but when you hear him talk, the energy, the the passion, the desire that he has for sales is absolutely contagious. It's kind of oozing out of him. The thing that I loved about that particular podcast and also the 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 blogs that he writes, his books, he's very focused on the role of the sales professional, that we're there to help, drive value, provide solutions, and enable our customers and our prospects to achieve something better, to make sure that it's fit for their need. So. You can talk about prospecting and say, yeah, I need a prospect, I need to get in front of more people. But ultimately, it's not about that. It's about enabling your customers to achieve something better. Sure, you need to talk to a lot of people. But as Mark said, it's about being targeted in your approach. It's about doing the research. Yes, the numbers are critical. But remember, it's a mindset. So what are you doing to show up? What are you gonna do to change to make that difference so that you can be the best sales professional you can be.